job. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I also want to say hello to all of you who are watching on television and online right now. Thank you for being with us wherever you are. Stay safe. We love you. For those of you in the room, would you please give a big hand to our online and television audience. We find ourselves in a summer series where we're studying the fruit of the Spirit. We call it Sustain, how we're nurturing a fruitful life. And as we've been walking through this series, I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. I really believe, we, we're talking about this as a staff this week, we really believe this is a sanctifying series for us. But before we jump in, I want us to do what we do each and every week at the beginning of our message, and that is pray for another local church. And the more we do this, the longer we go. We're going to expand these churches beyond the river region all the way around the world because God is at work around this planet right now. Amazing things are happening in different parts of the world. The church is exploding in China. The church is exploding in the Middle East. It's just beautiful to see what God is doing all over the planet. Europe experiencing revival, South America, Central America, it is beautiful. And so we believe that the kingdom is so much bigger than just us here in this place. That's why we take time to pray for another local church and we pray for other denominations. We do that because we know that God is on the move and up to something good. Amen? Amen. Good. Well, this morning we have the pleasure to pray for a very special church, a church that Fraser helped launch just a few years ago, and that is Century United Methodist Church in Pike Road and their pastor, Patrick Quinn, who served here for many years. And so as we open up God's word, let's lift them up before the Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing all over this planet. We thank you for what you're doing here in the river region. And as we come Lord, we lift up Century Church to you. We pray your blessing over their members, Lord. We pray that you would protect them and keep them safe. Lord, we pray for Patrick and the leadership of that church. We pray that you would inspire their mind. Lord, that you would guide them as they are leading in these difficult days. And we just pray for a fresh wave of your spirit on that church. And Lord, now I pray that you would speak to us. Would you speak? As we open your word, would the Holy Spirit open our eyes and ears and hearts this morning? We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. In December of 2020, the BBC did an article on a lady by the name of Betty Lowe. Now, newspapers have been writing about Betty since she was 96 years old. She was volunteering at the Salford Royal Hospital in Greater Manchester, United Kingdom, serving coffee, washing dishes, chatting with patients, and then something happened. Miss Lowe turned 100. The headlines read, still volunteering at hospital. And then something else happened. Miss Lowe turned 102. The headlines read, still volunteering. And then something else happened. Miss Lowe turned 104. Headlines read, still volunteering. Even at 106 years old, Betty Lowe still volunteers one day a week at that hospital, despite, quote, her failing eyesight, end quote. Lowe told reporters when she was asked why she kept working in the cafe long after she could have put her feet up and retired, and she told them that she believed that volunteering helped keep her healthy. 
It helped to keep her healthy. And the article goes on to explain how that studies show, for instance, that volunteering correlates to 24% lower risk of an early death, about the same as eating six or more servings of fruits and vegetables a day. So you can take your pick. Fruits or vegetables or volunteering, that's completely up to you. I'll leave that one to you. The article goes on to say that volunteers have a lower risk of high blood glucose and a lower risk of inflammation levels connected to heart disease. It also says that they spend, volunteers spend 38% fewer nights in the hospital than people who shy away from charities and volunteering. What caught my eye in this article was that it said this, quote, science reveals, notice this, science, science reveals that altruistic behaviors from formal volunteering, monetary donations to, watch this, random acts of everyday kindness, kindness, promote well-being and longevity. What the BBC is claiming, that science is claiming now, is that kindness is connected to not only our quality of life, but the longevity that we have in life. And as we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, it's kindness that we come to today. Now, kindness is something that uh, we're all familiar with. But we're also familiar with the opposite of kindness, aren't we? I mean, by definition, the opposite of kindness is to be mean, to be inconsiderate, to be cruel, to be cruel. And it seems like our world feeds off of meanness and cruelty, doesn't it? I mean, all you got to do is turn on the television and watch the news. It seems like we just feed off of this every single day, every day, meanness and cruelty everywhere. But when we're talking about kindness, we have to remember that kindness is not exactly the same thing as niceness. They're close. They're close, but they're not the same. I define being nice as a temporary interaction that does not cause a negative reaction, right? So we temporarily interact in some way. We have a chat, and that chat does not produce anything negative, right? You don't get mad at me. I don't get mad at you, right? Nice. It even works into our language, right? We, we say that, oh, they're just so nice every time I see them, or every time I talk to them, they're just so nice. Now, don't get me wrong. We need a lot more nice people in the world, okay? Sometimes I'm praying for just nice, right? But again, niceness and kindness are not the same thing. Kindness, kindness is to serve another person with love-drenched words and actions, even at your own expense. To serve another person with love-drenched words and actions, even at your own expense. My definition. My definition. See, kindness is costly. It's costly. It will cost you your time. Sometimes you have to go out of your way in order to be kind. It'll cost you convenience. Kindness given sometimes costs you your opinion or your bias or your prejudice or that hate that festers so quickly in our heart toward other people. Kindness is very, very costly. In the short term, kindness is going to cost you your pride. It's going to cost you your temper. It's going to cost you your negative words that we fling around so freely. <laughs> it's costly. But the long-term rewards are great. Science is telling us now that kindness, kindness can contribute to the quality of your life and the longevity of your life. The Bible's actually been speaking to this for a very long time. I'll give you one example, and that's Proverbs eleven seventeen. 
Proverbs eleven seventeen says, your kindness will reward you. It will in so many ways, so many ways. Your kindness will reward you, but be warned, your cruelty will destroy you. It will. Notice, notice the word will. Your kindness will reward you. It's a promise, but your cruelty will destroy you. That is also a promise. It was Jesus who said, out of the heart the mouth speaks, right? Out of the heart the mouth speaks. Remember that? If that is true, if what Jesus said is true, that out of your heart you say it out of your mouth, out of the heart the mouth speaks, if that is true, what that means is the mean and cruel things that we say to and about other people actually say more about us than they do the people we're being mean or cruel to that actually say more about us. You see, our ability or our inability then to be kind is actually a matter of the heart. It's something deep within us, something going on within us. We mask it in opinions or we mask it in self-righteousness or whatever, but something is going on deep inside that blocks us, keeps us from being kind to those around you, but it's an issue of the heart. And that leads me to point number one this morning. And point number one is that our challenge is to reflect God's character. Our challenge as Christians, as people who say we want to follow Jesus Christ, is to reflect the character of God. And it takes the Holy Spirit living in you and living through you for you ever to do this, ever to do this. It takes the power of the Spirit working in you. I've been having a couple of conversations over the past few weeks about spiritual warfare. And I remember many years ago, someone very wise told me that Chris, they said, Chris, spiritual warfare rarely feels spiritual. It most always feels personal. It feels personal. When there's a spiritual attack, they taught me, many times you feel it as a personal attack. But you see, when you are led by the Holy Spirit and your character is being shaped into the character of God, the character of Christ himself, Holy Spirit-driven Kindness is the greatest weapon you have in your arsenal. It's the greatest weapon. And that's when you win the spiritual battles that you find yourself in. Jesus said in Luke 6, 35, he said, he says crazy things. You know this Jesus, he just says some of the most outlandish things. You, mean, you read this and you're just like, really? Come on. He says, love your enemies. Now see, we, most of us have been Christian long enough, we just kind of were inoculated to the stuff like this, but this is crazy. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Do good to them. It's like, how is that even logical? Who's going to build a philosophy off that? And then how is it even possible? But remember what Paul taught. He said, we, we, we do not struggle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. Love your enemies and do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven, because this is a spiritual issue, will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. In that moment, when you are loving your enemies, you, you, you are actually, what is on display in you is that you truly are a child of God. Truly are. And then notice what he says. He goes on. He says, for he, the Most High, he is kind. He is, that's what it looks like when it's lived out. He is kind. Notice what he says here, though. He is kind to those who always agree with him. Or he is kind to those who always think like him. 
He is kind to those who have his same socioeconomic background. He is kind to those who are in the same ethnic group. You don't say any of that. See, we look at the world in a totally different way than God does. He says he is kind to the unthankful, even wicked. And then Jesus looks at those first hearers when he's saying this, and he says to us today in verse 36, you must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Notice the word must. Jesus did not leave a lot of wiggle room here. You must. You must be compassionate. Why? Because your Father is compassionate. See, compassion is a companion of kindness. It is kindness manifested in a moment in time when another option could have been taken, but someone chose the kind road. Some of the greatest spiritual battles you will ever have in your life have nothing to do with you battling some spiritual being, but it'll have everything to do with you battling your own sin nature so that you will be kind to the people around you. That's one of the greatest spiritual battles you will ever face. And that's why I believe the quality of your prayer life directly correlates to the quantity of kindness you can give to other people. Because when you are spending time with God and His character is becoming your character, His character is rubbing off on you and you are being shaped into the image of Christ, that's when you give the kindness of Christ to others. To others. You see, we live in this world where we have this myth that functions all the time. Again, all you got to do is watch the news or anything else. And I call it the myth of the loud, vo loudest voice. The myth of the loudest voice. As long as I yell louder than you and get your attention and win the argument, I will get my way. Right? That's what we do. That's what we do. We do it in families. We do it in politics. We do it in all kinds of things. As long as I'm louder and I win the argument... And what we do is we take our words and we clothe these mean and cruel words that we hurl at other people in self-righteous and causes, and we try to win. And what we've been saying throughout this whole series is you do not have to live that way. You really don't. You don't have to yell. You don't have to cut other people down. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be cruel. By the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you can actually be kind. You can serve other people with love-drenched words and actions, even at your own personal expense. But it takes the power of the Spirit. But when we do it, when we spend time with God, His character becomes our character, and we live that out in those moments. We are reflecting who God is in beautiful and powerful and mind-blowing ways. Amen? Point number two is this, is that the calling to kindness is lived out when you see how much kindness you have received. The calling to kindness is lived out when you see just how much kindness you have received. Oh, how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget just how kind God has been to us. All of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his forgiveness, everything that has flowed into your life through the conduit of kindness, we forget just how kind God has been to us. 
You know what happens when you forget how kind God is to you? Two things, one of two things. You're either going to be depressed because of your current sin, because you're going to forget that he is kind and he'll do it again, or, or you're going to be self-righteous in your current sanctification. You're going to be prideful because you forgot that it was actually God's kindness that got you to where you were. And we forget so quickly just how kind God has been to us and how much he has loved us and what he has done in our life to bring us to this point where we are right now, wherever that may be. It's because he's been kind to us. You know, I don't know if you know this, but like when the Bible was originally written, it didn't have chapters and verses. Sorry if you didn't know that, it kind of burst your bubble. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, chapters were put in like in the 13th century and verses were added in like the 16th century. And so, um, but if you look at verses in the Bible, there's like 31,102 verses in the whole Bible, thereabouts. Um, I guess you could depend on your translation. Anyway, but around 31,000 verses in the Bible. What is interesting to me is that the word remember Remembering, or some version of that word, is mentioned 8,670 times in those 31,000 verses. 8,671 times. God, over and over throughout Scripture, tells us to remember. Remember. Because we forget so quickly just how good and kind God has been to us. We forget. Again, and it either leads to depression because of where I'm at and woe is me or it leads to self-righteousness or pride Titus 3.5 says but when God when God there was a point in time when God did something when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love this is when Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love something happened verse 5 he saved us he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. His mercy was on display. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. It only happens by the power of the Spirit. But who can offer you that kind of kindness other than God? Who can give you that kind of kindness, a kindness that produces salvation, not separation, not hell, which we deserve? Oh, no. A kindness that has unlimited mercy, not judgment, which we deserve. A kindness that washes away your sin, not leaves you in your guilt, which we deserve. A kindness that gives you a new birth, not leave you dead in your trespasses and sin, which we deserve. A kindness that gives you a new life, not leaving you to the destructive behaviors that destroy your life, which we deserve. Only God can do that. Only God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can give us that. Only God can be that kind to us in that way only God and our job is to remember not lose sight of how kind God has been to us and we look back we don't remember our sin we don't do that no we remember God's kindness in the midst of and in, in the deliverance of our sin that's what we look back and remember yeah, I, I've said this before it's like when you look back into your past what you did that's your history what God did that was your testimony and we look back and we see how God was kind to us time and time and time again and how that kindness has molded us and shaped us. And that's what compels us forward to give kindness to other people. 
Charles Wesley penned a hymn in 1739. He said, Long my prison spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. We remember those moments when the chains fall off, when God shines his light into our life out of his kindness, and he sets us free in a new way. We remember that. You see, remembrance produces a reaction in you where you can relive the kindness you have received. I'll say that again. Remembrance produces a reaction in you where you can relive the kindness you have received. So many times, though, what we do is we say, well, they don't deserve kindness. Or even worse, we say, they don't deserve my kindness. Really? Really? Well, you don't know what they did to me. Right. They don't deserve kindness. You didn't either. Did you forget? Did you forget that you did not deserve the kindness of God? Did you forget you didn't deserve the kindness of all those people that God had brought into your life? Did you forget somewhere along the way that you didn't deserve it either? But God, and many times through other people, gave it to you. And then he calls you to go give it to others. How dare we beg for kindness and then refuse to give it to other people? Ephesians 4.32. Instead, instead of living out of your old nature, living the way the world does, be kind to each other. Be kind. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We say, why would we be kind? Why would we be tenderhearted? Why would we forgive just as God through Christ has forgiven you? That's why you would. That's why. One of the things that I think the Lord's been putting on my heart over the past few weeks is to keep the question before us as a church of who do you need to forgive Who do you need to forgive? Who is that person that every time you think about them, you just boil on the inside? You don't want to see them. You don't want to be around them. You don't want to run into them at the grocery store. Who, is it? Who do you need to forgive? You see, your unforgiveness will block your ability to be kind. Unforgiveness will block your ability to be kind. I'm going to come back to that. Point number three is this. Is that kindness is the high calling to make yourself low. Kindness is the high calling to make yourself low. I get this from Colossians 3.12 that says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, do you want to be holy? Do you really? Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must Clothe yourself. I love that image, clothe yourself, meaning kindness is not just something you have internally. It's something that's seen by other people around you, and they don't have to look hard to find it. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. Same language, kindness. What's the next word? Humility. Kindness, humility. Gentleness, we'll talk about in this series. Patience, which Ken talked about last week. Kindness and humility, they go together in so many ways. The word 
humility. It means to make yourself low. It means lowliness, lowliness especially of mind, lowly. You see, what kindness does is kindness lifts people up. But you have to stoop low in order to take someone's hand and pick them up. And the question that every Christian is faced with every single day is, are we willing to stoop today? Are we willing to stoop low in order to be kind and lift other people up and not just the people we like and people who are like us? Are we willing to stoop and pick others up with kindness, whoever God may put in our path? There was a Swiss philosopher and poet. His name was Henry Friedrich Amel, and he lived from 1821 to 1881. And he said this. He said, he said, be kind to those who are unkind. And here was his rationale. He said, be kind to those who are unkind. They need it the most. They need it the most. That's hard enough to be kind to those who are unkind. But you will never be able to be kind to someone until you forgive them. And that's where I feel led to land today. Be honest with you, I didn't even write a conclusion to the sermon. Seriously, that blank, that's where the conclusion was supposed to go. So my question was, Lord, where, where we land this? And, and I believe where we're supposed to land it is, who do you need to forgive? So that you can live out this high calling of kindness. Who do you need to forgive? Who is that? If you don't know who that is, ask your spouse. They probably know you better than you, and it's that person you're either always talking about, that person you never want to talk about. <laughs> or ask your friend. Seriously, who do you need to forgive so that you can live out the calling of kindness that the Spirit is calling you to? You'll never get there with unforgiveness. And unforgiveness in one relationship will affect the others, believe it or not. And so that's where we're going to land. Jared, y'all come on up. And as Jared and the band come up, I want to leave us with this question. Who do you need to forgive so that you can be released, released to live into your calling of kindness? That's not just niceness. It is so much deeper. My prayer is that God would put on this church a spirit of kindness, a spirit of kindness that the world can see, see Christ on display in beautiful and powerful ways. So Lord, let it be so. Let it be so among us. That's what the word amen means. Let it be so. God, I ask that you forgive us for forgetting so quickly how kind you've been. Lord, you've called us to reveal your character, to live into it, to walk in it. 
And I pray for a holy awareness of how much kindness we have received. And Lord, I pray that we would accept this high calling to stoop, to make ourselves low. But Lord, that's not going to happen until we forgive. And right now, sitting in the room, those watching online on television, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of past. There's a lot of hurt. But Father, you're greater than all of it. You're the healer of our souls. And so, Lord, would you do your work? By the power of your Holy Spirit, right here, right now, would you do your work? Move among us. Move among us.